Welcome to Navigating Change with Shane and Mike across from me, Shane Bishop. My name is Mike. We're so glad you're joining us for the show today. On our last episode, we talked about conflict resolution. We took you through Matthew 18 and Jesus's model for helping the church through conflict. We really hope you enjoyed that episode. Today, we're going to talk through six specific steps on conflict resolution that we will hopefully help you navigate the changes that you're going through. Let me bring in my partner in crime, Shane Bishop. Shane, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Mike. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm doing well. I love it. You put your hand on your face. That's when I know yeah. I say something where you're like, oh, yeah. Mike. Yeah, we were just talking about how the last episode wasn't very funny, you know, and then I said, you know, I don't feel particularly jocular today, and you said you didn't either. And then I noticed while you were talking, you were trying to get content off your phone, but your phone kept mm-hmm. like dying and going to lock mode. Yeah. And then and then you would seem preoccupied. And before long, I just got bored. And so uh, that's kind of where we enter this. So for the listener, this has to be, they're thinking, this is a great use of my time. <laughs> well, just hold on. We have more to come. Oh, oh we do. We have a lot more. Speaking oh, the hey, great stuff still to come, Mike. Do you consider yourself a multitasker? Uh, no. Okay. No, I can do a lot of things at once separately. Okay, I, I'm probably the same way. So you can have a lot of projects going at the at same once, time. At once, but I yeah, turn my full attention to... to one at a yeah. time. I'm not, you know, I couldn't like uh, cook grilled cheese and do the laundry. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't do that, but I could cook a grilled cheese, and then when I was completely done, yeah. I could go do the laundry. Yeah, so the older I get, the more I feel like I'm do- I can have a whole lot of projects going on so all over my life, and I can go from one to the other. Is that something you grew to where you're at right now with that, or have you always been able to kind of have a lot of things going at once? I think when uh, Windows, the, the computer, came out, yeah, and, and you could minimize things, you know, like right now, if you went into my office, I'm working on a Sunday piece for my message Sunday. I'm working on a Wednesday sermon. A lot of times I'll be working on two or three other things. And so I've got several windows open and I just kind of stay on one until I, I'm either tired of it or feel like I'm losing a little ground. And then I'll just click to something else. But I can I can do I can keep several things up, but I can only do one thing at once. Yeah, I wonder how technology, if that has changed the way that we think and interact with the world, because yeah, uh, or does it just give us a metaphor? A, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know either. Well, we're but don't ba- you think guys are a little more linear? Don't, don't you think most guys aren't? We're not terribly so, ambitious, right? We'll just kind of do yeah. one thing, yeah. at, like if we're grilling. Yeah. Let's say we're outside and we're grilling. We're not thinking we're also going to set the table. We're not yeah. thinking we're also going to make sides yeah. or that we also need to fill up cups. We're just thinking this is all we're doing. We're grilling. And then it comes out pretty good, but we, we don't do other stuff. I agree. There's someone uh, that we work with named Mickey. And Mickey was talking about watching a Cardinals game recently. She came uh, and talked to me about it. She will be at home, have the Cardinals game on television have the uh, have some type of earpiece in listening to the radio call, and she says she'll pay bills all at the same time. Oh, that's impressive. I have no idea how she does it. She says she does it all the time. That's really, really interesting because if it were me, I'd be looking at my bills when I got done, and I would have written a $125 check to Paul DeYoung, the Cardinal shortstop. <laughs> uh. Well, we're going to move into our content for today. We want to talk about six steps of conflict resolution. Like I said earlier, we talked about Matthew 18, 
in our last episode, a biblical way to handle conflict. Now we just got some practical steps that I think we can work through together. So here is the first step of conflict resolution. Clarify what the disagreement is. Clarify what the disagreement is. Shane, when I was first thinking about this, uh, a lot of times we don't know what we're fighting about. I actually went and got a coffee about an hour ago. When I went through the drive-thru and got the coffee, the lady went to hand it to me. And when she did, she started, I kid you not, she started cussing, mm-hmm. cussing at me. I thought, wow, I was actually a little bit entertained for right, a right, second. Right. And I thought, I wonder what this is about. And, you know, being a customer, that's probably not great customer you service. You wouldn't think so. No, no. And if I was someone who was easily offended, I imagine I could have, you know, said something right, right, or right. got confrontational. Uh, she gave it to me and she said, uh, you know, oh, here you go. She says, I'm sorry. I, I, you might not have noticed that I almost just slipped on the floor. Uh, and I, what I loved about that is she clarified yeah. uh, what was going on within her. And I do think in conflict resolution, sometimes we don't even know what we're fighting about. And right. we got to figure out, let's get to it. What is the real disagreement here? Mike, I came from, uh, my, my people come from Southern Illinois. And one of the things I got noticing when I was young is that we had kind of clannish feuds. There would be even parts of our own family that, that you, you know, I was just, I remember being told by a cousin earlier that they're related to us, but we don't like them, you know, and, and I never really quite understood all of this. Yeah. And, and when I got a little older, I got digging into it. Why don't we like them? And guess what? what? Nobody really knew. They thought it had something to do with grandfathers or great grandfathers, but nobody really knew. And so sometimes, you know, we've got bad feelings towards somebody and you say, well, why? And we say, because they're a poop head. <laughs> well, that's kind of general, right? <laughs> yeah. But why specifically? And sometimes, Mike, you're right. We just don't know. We don't know. We have to We have to kind of dig. We have to find the energy to kind of dig, uh, dig up what it is that's really the issue. Here's the next step of conflict resolution. Establish a common goal for both parties. I imagine that it's hard to resolve a conflict if uh, the person on the other side of the conflict doesn't have a common goal, or frankly, if they don't have a goal at all at resolving the conflict. I had uh, some very close friends who were divorced when their children were very, very young. And, and you know, divorces are just what they are. They're, they're difficult. Nobody dreams of that. One of the things they did, they said, we are going to make sure that we act in such a way as it's in the best interest of the kids. Every decision they made through that difficult process was in the best interest of the kids. And now years and years later, you know what? Those kids are unbelievably, unbelievably well-adjusted, loved and supported because they got together and they said, okay, we're not going to be able to work it out. But our kids don't have to pay for that. And that gets at what you're talking about there. Yeah, and I think me and you have talked about some things recently with whenever you figure out what the big goal is, everything else becomes a lot easier. Agreed. And I think in life and even goal setting theory is that you got to figure out what the big goal is and then everything begins to fit with that. I heard like when I first gave my life to Christ uh, 20 years ago in August, by the way, 
there was an illustration given to me, and, and Shane, I know you've heard this one about a thousand times, but it was about putting God first. And the idea was like if you took, a, you know, the old tennis ball containers? Sure. And there would be like three to five tennis balls in yeah. there. And then if you took like three cups of rice and you put the rice, you took the balls out, you put the rice in and tried to put the balls in and then put a cap on top, it wouldn't work. But the idea was biblically, if you put God first, being putting those balls in the container first and then put the three cups of rice in, it could all it fills fit. It around it. Yeah. It fills all around it and, it and it and it works. And I think a lot of times that's what the common goal is like. You know, we have, once we get that common goal in that container, everything else is just going to fit very smoothly but if we don't get it it's not going to fit all together yeah if you don't know what you're trying to accomplish how in the world are you going to accomplish it yeah. one thing i've always loved about sports is there's a certain honesty to sports yeah. you know we want to win that's really honest it's a common goal and what are we going to do what it takes to win why did you do that because i thought it would help me win a lot of times I think people don't live their lives with that kind of clarity. And when we're in conflict with people, when we're cross-threaded with people, what is the end goal? Is our end goal to reconcile? Well, that's an issue. Is our end goal just to not hate each other for the rest of our lives? That is an issue too. Right. So I think knowing what that end goal is, is a very important thing. And frankly, it'll kind of determine how hard you got to work at it. Here is the next step of conflict resolutions. Number four, determine the barriers to the common goal. If we're thinking about your team metaphor, about a team that wants to win, well, I imagine there's a whole lot of barriers that could keep a team from getting to that common goal. Like the goal. fact the other team wants to win too. That's the There would one. be a barrier. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the right. The fact we're not very good. That <laughs> could be a barrier. Uh, do you want to practice? Correct. You know, do you want to put the work in for this? Right. And I think especially that's uh, applicable for conflict resolution. Yeah, how hard do we want to work yeah. at this? And if the goal is big yeah. and you don't want to work very hard, that you're going to have to change that goal. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, if you're going through something difficult uh, and your goal is to come out as friends yeah. and you're really on opposite sides of something, you just need to realize that is a whole lot more challenging goal than to just come out not hating each other. That's right. You know, and so I think the size of our goal often is directly proportional to how much time, effort, and energy it's going to take of us. Yes. All right, let's go to number five here. Agree on the best way to resolve the conflict. Agree on the best way to resolve the conflict. Sometimes we have to spend time, and I think this really goes to the whole idea is that you got to work together on something. Yeah. You can't just say, okay, here's the goal. I'm just going to do my own thing. If you want to get through a conflict resolution, you got to realize you're going to have to be arm in on, arm in arm with someone working through it together. One of the things you got to navigate, and we talked about this a little bit with Melissa when we were talking about marriages a couple of episodes back. One of the things you got to navigate is just process. You can't just assume that this is how we are going to do it and expect the other person to buy on. Yeah. You know, Melissa and I, uh, when we do projects together, I would say her default is that she is in charge and I am there to do what she tells me. Yeah. My default is we are partners in this and I get to have opinions. Yeah. I need to tell you, it goes better when I just <laughs> buy into her way of doing it sure. because she's brilliant. She's better at me than me at that. Yeah. But I have to kind of give in to that. I just kind of have to tell myself. Right. 
I need to just do what she says because right. I trust her. And that's negotiating the process. And Who's in charge? Here's what can happen, and I do think this is a reconciling way of thinking as well, is that whenever we start to navigate how do we resolve a conflict together, it forces me to look for the best in the other person. Agreed. So with you in this Melissa uh, scenario, if you will, she's good right. at doing those type of things, right? right? And you're probably a better at just listening and following her, right? Yeah, because she knows all about it, and I don't. Exactly. And so what you do is, in that, you value what she can bring. And in some ways, you're like, okay, I know my role in this situation, and this is what I can bring to help. Exactly. And I think even when we get to conflict resolution, you know, what what is... What is the role? What is the process? What's the best way for the two of us to go about resolving a conflict? Sure. How's that different than if it was me having a conflict with somebody else? You know, and, and those things, I think, have to be agreed upon early. And if they are, I think it ensures a respectful uh, process. Right. And if you have a respectful process, there's just that. There, there's so many fewer places to get cross-threaded if you're respectful. And I, and I do think from a quick discipleship standpoint, I think discipleship for a Christian, what is a good dis- discipline in it, when we're talking about especially work, if we go back to working with Christians, is that we have to see the good in other people. Absolutely. And we all got our stuff that we're going yeah. through. In some seasons, it's more difficult than others. But the idea is that we have to, uh, for us really to work together through something, God, we're, we are created in God's image. There has been reconciliation between uh, humanity and God the Father through Jesus. God's doing something good in somebody. And we need to hone in on that when we work through difficult issues. There was a statement made to me early in, in my Christian walk. And it said, the second we become a Christian, we give up the right to tell somebody to go to hell. <sighs> and that always sticks with me. Yeah. So if I'm a Christian and I'm in a conflict resolution, I don't have the right to tell you to go to hell. I still have to operate for your good. Yeah. I still have to care about your soul. Right. And that is a very different disposition than what I'm going to call the crash and burn method of this world. Mm. Powerful. Does Let's... that mean they're going to like put an E? on our podcast because I said hell. Oh, it's Are we like explicit now? Because mm-hmm. if so, I feel like we could gain some listeners. Well, speaking of that, we need to do an album cover as well. Yeah, we right. We need to look really right. tough. I'm yeah. going to get a chain. Yeah, something something that makes us look tough. <laughs> I, I don't know that anybody could, could do that, Mike. A lot I, of Photoshop. Yeah. A lot of layers of clothes probably. Right, right. You know, and I'm thinking, you know, the Benjamin Button thing, yeah. you know, we talked about earlier, you know, I think I could just get Brad Pitt to stand in for me. Yeah, no doubt. You know? Yeah. So, so who would stand in for you, Mike? You're, you're going to, you know, would... they're making a movie, a Shane so... and Mike bioptic, bioc movie on, on this. Who's going to play Michael That's Wooten? a great, I'd probably uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> probably be, probably be me. I like it. A younger version uh, of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, I or like Hulk it. Hogan. Clearly, I think any of us would have said Hulk Hogan. Uh, there's no doubt about yeah. that. Yeah, I was a Hulkamaniac. Were you? Oh, big time in the 80s. Did you like have a Hulk uh, Hogan action figure? Uh, I had, they made these, and I think these came out in the very early 90s, maybe late 80s, but they were like big stuffed animals, if yeah. you will, but yeah. they were the wrestlers. Yeah, I and, remember those. And I had one of those. I loved it, but I was doing all the poses that Hulk Hogan did. Yeah. And, 
And I will tell you, so I haven't watched that stuff for years and years and years, but now I find myself in a few, uh, what do they call them now, kind of a... Uh, uh, kind of black holes, if you will, where on Instagram, <laughs> yeah. like now I, I clicked on something from the 80s and 90s about wrestling, and now it just keeps showing up in my feed. So I'm getting updated, but all the stuff that happened a long time ago and the story behind oh, yeah. the story. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that's why it's fresh on my mind. Yeah. I, I was more of a Randy Macho Man Savage guy. Yeah. You don't want to know why. First of all, Randy Macho Man Savage actually had a girlfriend. Yeah. And that seemed like it put him ahead distanced yeah. him from the competition. Now, he was married to that woman. I know. Miss Elizabeth. And you may not know this, but Randy Macho Man Savage was a farmhand in the St. Louis Cardinals baseball system. I knew he uh, did something in minor league. I did not know it was St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, he yeah. was a, a Cardinal farmhand. And uh, I think he made the better choice because I think yeah. the whole wrestling thing... It worked out. Worked out for him for a period of for time. For a period of time. Yeah. Yeah, there's actually a biography on A&E about him and some of these other guys. I've watched the Stone Cold one. So there's w what to watch for. This is our what to watch for segment. It, it there is. there you go. go we're, I, I think we're completely off the track now. But I will say this. There's... Are you pulling us in? Usually I do. Yeah, that. usually. So no, no, I'm I'm still staying off the track. I'm gonna pull us even further okay, away. That makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, you got all these old baseball players. They stick around, and sign baseballs, right? And yeah. they make more money signing baseballs than they did when they played sure. because they made like a buck eighty in 1958. But you never really had that with wrestlers, you know, because most wrestlers pretty jacked up with steroids and stuff, die in their fifties and kind of thing. You never really had old wrestlers signing sure. belts until Ric Flair. Rick Flair is a St. Louis icon. All of a sudden, he's on every commercial. Rick Flair or it's Randy? No, no, Rick Flair. Okay. Yeah, and now they're doing all these Rick Flair hoots. This, ooh, yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. This kind of thing. The guy is back. He's been gone for forty yeah. years. Oh yeah. And now the wrestler Rick Flair is back. And you want to know why? He's the only wrestler in the history of the world that's lived to be past 70. Coincidentally, yeah. he. I think he's 72 oh, right now. Oh, he's hot, man. Have you seen these guys walk around, though, the ones that lived for a while? Yeah. Ooh, that, that time in the ring really uh, did some damage. Well, Rick looks great. That being said, they never have him move in the commercials. <laughs> they, he never moves, but he does do the whole woo and thing. He can do a woo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah kind of like a mic woo, right? Exactly, I like yeah, it. Yeah, you know, exactly. could we possibly think about Ric Flair and... As like the celebrity <laughs> pitch man for the Shane and Woo show. Yeah. What do you think, man? Woo! I, I think, like it. I think he'd want a, a cut. No, I think he's doing it. all this for free. <laughs> okay, very good. I think he's doing all this for free. <laughs> all right, let's get to the final step of conflict resolution. Acknowledge the agreed solution and determine the responsibilities of each party uh, that, that each party has in the resolution. So you kind of got to acknowledge whatever the solution is and determine the responsibility. So I think basically that means just take responsibility uh, for whatever's going to come from out of the resolution. You know, Mike, one of the uh, things that I think is so important when we negotiate anything, conflict or, or anything else, is that we're just clear about what I need from you, what you need from me. You know, you're the senior associate pastor here. And, and when you came in, uh, we, 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 we talked about, this is what we need from you. And then I think as time has gone on, that's morphed. Sure. And that role has changed. As the senior pastor of this particular congregation, the leadership of the congregation was clear, this is what we need from you. 
We need to preach most Sundays. We need you to, to do this and that and right. that. But I think when there's clarity, now I, I have a choice. I right. can either do what I need to do or I sure. can not. Right. But if I choose not to, there will be consequences. And I think right. on conflict resolution, one of the things is we, we abandon things before we get to the final step. The, a lot of times we have discomfort. So what we really want to do is escape discomfort. And the second we escape discomfort, we abandon the project. And a lot of times we stop short of sitting down and saying, what was the solution? How can, what do do I need from you moving forward? What do you need from me moving forward? How many marriages, Mike, do do this? They argue about the same things over and over, but they'll only go to the point that now I'm not feeling as stressed and they stop (laughs) short of really resolving the issue. Maybe it's a financial problem. Maybe he spends too much money. She always wants to save money. He says, we got to live now. She says, we're going to have to live later. And they argue about it. But the second that it's not feeling a ton of pressure, they stop talking. I think this is just telling us, take that final step. Finish this thing. Get the 27th out. Let's conclude this. And then let's be clear I need you to only spend X amount of money right. a month, yeah. and you need me to realize we've got to live a little bit now because there's no guarantees for tomorrow. Right. Those are the kind of things that I think are really important. Right. we got to go to the next step right. beyond just not being stressed. And I think the final piece I would just kind of add on to that is that we got if we're talking about marriage or friendships or whatever, uh, and you agree upon how it's going to go down, you know, some one person in the party might make a mistake. Correct. One person in the party might do it how the, it was a year ago or yeah. two years ago. And then I think if they really want to maintain the relationship, you know, there needs to be a sorry or it's like, hey, I wasn't thinking that through. Or there has to be some communication there because you cannot think that just because you agreed upon it that there will nothing uh, negative or from the past will never come back up. One of the things I, I love about 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about what love is, and it says love keeps no record of wrong. Mm. The Greek word really just means uh, to keep a ledger in pencil. You know, And, and so often, I, I think resolutions that don't get made, uh, we, we write things in ink, and, and there's no grace in them. And so the second you violate anything I would consider to be the letter of the law, yeah. now, you know, everything's off and, yeah. and we tend to have all this hyperbole around it. But keeping no record of wrong really just means, uh, you know, whatever you did or whatever I did that got us into this bad place right. in the first place. Part of reconciling and conflict resolution is saying, you know what, that's behind us mm. now. Mm-hmm. That that's behind us. I I don't get to keep bringing this back up. You don't get to keep bringing this back up. Right. And if there are stumbles moving forward, mm-hmm. obviously we're stumbles, or we wouldn't be where we were. If there are stumbles moving forward, I'm going to give you the greatest of all gifts, mm-hmm. the benefit of the doubt. Now you don't get that indefinitely, but you get it once or twice. Sure. And sure. I think those are important things moving right. forward because mm-hmm. I don't think conflict resolution can happen without conclusion, but I don't think it can move forward without some sense of grace because we're all sinners. We live in a fallen world. But at the end of the day, do you want to be in relationship with somebody or not? If right. you do, it's going to take a little bit of work. It is. 
Well, we thank you so much for joining us for Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. We really hope that this program... <laughs> Rick Flair just joined us Woo! here at the very end. We really pray this program uh, bless you today. To learn more about me or Shane, go to RevMikeWu.com or RevShaneBishop.com. Thank you for joining us, and make sure that you keep the change.